Welcome to the Impact Sessions, a business podcast hosted by me, Nick Bramley, CEO and Director of Impact at Impactus Group. The Impact Sessions brings you weekly insights and experiences from some of my most valued, trusted and influential business contacts across a range of current, interesting and hopefully thought-provoking subjects designed to give you some practical tips and ideas to drive continued success in your business. On this week's episode, I'm delighted to interview Ben Wilson, Managing Director of MPM, and Ben's talking about all things to do with leadership, leadership culture, and the genuine impact that a positive leadership culture can have on your business in the real world. Enjoy the podcast. So welcome to the Impact Sessions. Uh, Today I'm delighted to be interviewing uh, an old associate, client and friend of mine, Ben Wilson. Ben Wilson's Managing Director of MPM Limited. He's also a Chair of Composites UK. Um, And we're going to talk about real-world leadership in a real-world business. So um, welcome to the podcast, Ben. Thanks, Nick. No problem. Good to see you. I haven't seen you for a little while. Um, First question, I guess, is um, you have a business that's initial-driven, MPM. What does MPM actually stand for? What's the story behind that? Uh, MPM stands for Moulds, Patterns and Models. Um, And the story behind it is get a friend to do something and get it wrong. Um, (laughs) But my dad, uh, he has got all the paperwork and everything and realised that they'd put the models, flipped it basically. So it should have been models, patterns and moulds. Um, but he didn't have art to say, so he just left it at that. Okay. So it's been moulds, patterns and models from then. And you go by MPM, obviously, and that's yep. uh, for, for all sorts of reasons in terms of Google searches and ease of find and all that kind of thing. Yeah, it's easier to say when you're drunk as well. I would say so, yeah, <laughs> no problem. Well, listen, uh, Ben, I'm delighted to have you on here. Um, I've been inspired by your sort of leadership style and, and the impact that has on your business um, since we worked together about four or five years ago. And, you know, we, we were on a, a, a program where I was sort of delivering some content and you were one of the, uh, the delegates, as it were. Um, but you run a very successful manufacturing business and it, it, you'd probably class that as quite traditional, um, but your business is far from traditional. Do you want to sort of let the podcast viewers and listeners know you know, how have you approached breaking that mould, if you see what I did there with the uh, the mould reference, yeah, mate? So. Very good, Nick. <laughs> um, the, I don't know, I think I've worked, I worked on a shop floor, mm-hmm. um, and I'm, I'm quite proud of that because I have no issue with starting at the bottom with something and working your way up. Um, and I think that having worked on the shop floor and seen various other businesses, I just felt that, things needed to move forward so from from the get-go of taking over with my two brothers from uh, my dad um, and it wasn't because we were particularly this way but I really didn't like the words hierarchy workforce and manager Mm. Um, and I understand that you've got to have management and managers but I just felt they were a bit old school so we banned those three words as soon as we took over right Um, obviously workforce change it to team you are all in it together. So I have a, I suppose I've got a chip on my shoulder when I see companies where there's a severe disconnect between sales and production of all the ops team mm. um, because sales are sort of, oh, you know, none of you would have a job if I didn't sell out. And it's like, well, if it didn't mech out, you wouldn't have out to sell. Um, so <laughs> yeah, I've never thought of it like that before, to be fair, yeah. So it's it, it was just very much bring it, 
I suppose, up to date and find a way of incorporating everybody into what you were doing. Mm. Um, so we don't really do titles. If you asked our production leader what he did and what mm. his title was, he wouldn't give you a title and he'd probably just say, I get stuff done. Yeah. I, I execute on plans and we, we make sure we look after customers. Okay. I mean, that must have been quite a, a mind shift for the team because obviously, you know, it, it's a family-run business and it was run by uh, your dad previously. And I mean, he wasn't particularly hierarchical, but quite traditional as a business. Yeah. What was the what was the the journey like shifting to that? You know, were, were people nervous or suspicious or a bit unsure? How did that work? Um. Yeah, I think uh, as human beings, when somebody tells you they're going to change something, they look for where it's not perfect and then have a go at that right. rather than looking at the things that are changing for the good. Um, but it's going to take time to evolve. So there was some scepticism. Um, there was the old thing of, yeah, it's still going to be a them and us. Um, and I remember working at the time with a, um, a really good business coach, um, Patrick Crayford and and we sort of set out what we wanted to do mm. um, and he said it'll take you five years right. and in my broad Yorkshire terms I went nah and then the next expletive uh, I'll do it quicker than that right um, and it took about five years <laughs> <laughs> that's why he's a business coach though isn't he yeah. really I guess in terms yeah. of you know experience and knowledge etc you're a bit of a, a lifelong learner aren't you I know you 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 do absorb you know support and and, and materials and content and courses and that kind of thing. Has that helped to define your kind of approach to leadership in any way? Oh, massively. Um, I think the, um, I'd, I'd worked on a shop floor. Um, I, I had a time where I tried to get off the shop floor, but I think my dad thought he could earn more money out of me with my gloves on. <laughs> so I, I sort of went on a bungee strap and then got pulled back. <laughs> um, but it, it's, I'd sort of got to the age of 34 blaming everybody else for my lack of progress. Right. Um, and Patrick did sit me down and, and listen to me probably for a good a good session um, and then quite bluntly turned around and said, you realise that it's all your fault um, and sort of flipped everything on its head. Mm. Um, and that was sort of quite a, a light bulb moment. I had a, a, a free session I actually came out of it thinking, I know everything there is to know about NPM mm. and absolutely sod all about myself or yeah. running a business. Wow. Um, and so the that learning then became the, the, the business coaching. I always think it's good to have an external perspective on your business because mm. if you watch your baby grow up, you don't realise that they're growing and changing and everything else. And it's very similar with a business. Mm. Nobody likes being told they've got an ugly baby. <laughs> Why would you tell anybody you've got an ugly baby? Fair point. Um, and it's the same thing. If it's your business, you're quite emotionally attached to it. Mm. And it's quite hard to take sometimes. But you won't see it because you, you're banging in the middle of it. So uh, we had a business coach and a business mentor. So they developed more of the operational side. Mm. Um, the business coach generally rinsed my brain about once a month. Um, very frustrating at times uh, and then did the Goldman Sachs 10,000 small businesses which again had done quite a bit of the coaching so a lot of the KPI things and everything else were in place but there was it was still one of those where I came away from it and some bits you, you might not think that you've taken anything from it and then mm. a year later you do something and think oh yeah that's where that came from. Little light bulb as yeah. it were, yeah. Okay. So how would you describe your leadership style right now? And 
how was that forged and evolved from when you first took over the business with your brother into where you are now at MPM? Um, well, I think first off, when we took over, um, the three of us sat down and said, right, roles and responsibilities. Mm. This is mine, that's yours, that's yours. Work's work. It stays at work, don't take it home. Mm. Um, family business is very tricky, and for, for a good 15 years, there'd been more emotion involved than there needed to be. Tough Christmas dinners and things, if you're not careful, aren't they? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, very. Um, but the mine was quite autocratic. Mm. Um, and up until doing, you know, some people are quite skeptical on um, disc profiling and psychometric testing and everything. And I did my disc profile, sat down with Patrick and told him that I completely disagreed with it. <laughs> That's not me. And then we sat down and went through it for an hour and went, oh yeah, that is me. <laughs> um, so my style was quite, do it that way. Mm. I know what to do, so do that, that, that and that. Well, we've got, we've got a, uh, a psychometric specialist coming on later in the podcast series, so that'll be an interesting I, listen for you. I, I'm a big fan. Yeah. Um, and I think it's good to learn about yourself, but how it affects others as well. Mm. Um, but the, my, my pressure points or weaknesses aren't the leader that I want to be. Mm. Um, but rather than hiding behind that as an excuse and going, well, that's who I am, uh, which is what I did for a good 15 years. I, I think I used the phrase, well, I wear my heart on my sleeve as an excuse for being an angry little man. <laughs> um, but working more towards the uh, having more empathy and coaching the coaching the team. I mean, genuinely, I like the coaching and supporting side. So I'd much sooner be in the background of the business, coaching other individuals so that they're being the best version of themselves and, mm. and offering what they do to the to the customers rather than it being reliant on key individuals. Okay. Well, a lot of your leadership style was challenged to the full, wasn't it, in um, February last year when you had uh, what could be described as a catastrophic incident at the business with uh, the whole factory uh, burning to the ground in a you know, a pretty horrific uh, fire. Thankfully, nobody was, was, was injured in it. It was an out-of-hours incident, but the whole business had gone up. So yeah. um, what did that sort of teach about the leadership style that you'd had, the team and the kind of um, impact and how they responded to that? Um, I think first off, it showed where you need to blend leadership styles because to be fair for the for probably the first week, two weeks, my autocratic style was required. But it will be to get things done, won't yeah. it, I would imagine, at that stage, yeah? So you've, you've literally got that emergency thing and it's like, you ain't got time to waste, so we can't sit around on, you know, a, let's have a meeting, let's have a vote, let's do this, let's do that. Mm. It was very much, we, we need to be in a building or we're going to lose customers and we'll lose the business, we'll lose the team. Mm. I think from a team perspective, um, it was one of the, I suppose, if you can pull an opportunity out of it and, and a highlight, the highlight was that you could see the culture had, it probably had taken that five years, but mm. you could see it acting as a catalyst for pulling everybody together. Um, and the whole, you know, our strap line was one team, one vision. After the fire, it, it changed to Stronger Together, but the team changed that because yeah. that's that was their hashtag on the WhatsApp, on Facebook, mm. whenever they were communicating. And we said, right, we'll, we'll go with that. Um, and it's, I suppose, 
how do, how can you say that something's enjoyable after that? Mm. It was catastrophic. We lost everything. Yeah. But I, I, for me, I actually, I'm competitive, so I enjoyed the challenge. Mm. But I enjoyed watching how the team managed to actually pull it back together. And once the emergency bit was over, it was back to, right, how do we, how do we get the the team to push that forward and some mm. of the changes, some of the, I suppose, process changes because we're in a different building. You could see all of that growing and people growing as the business grew. And but it was their, it was their changes. They were owning those changes, weren't they? You weren't, you weren't necessarily dictating every aspect of what needed to be done. You had to, I guess, reach out and trust your teams to make it happen and work out these kind of challenges, didn't you? Yeah, I think it's, you know, if you... Most business owners, whether they like it or not, will be some level of control freaks. <laughs> so delegating anything can be quite a challenge mm. and some find it easier than others. But it's, you know, putting the trust in the team, if it's not catastrophic and it's not fixed, mm. you know, I think if you put in a quarter of a million pound machine in a building, you you don't want to be moving that too many times. It wants to be guaranteed. Yeah. Some of the ideas from the team, let them run with it. Because if it don't work and they don't like it, unless it's, unless it's fixed or it's catastrophic, mm. they will learn from it. Um, it can be quite frustrating at times, but it, that's that's all part of their learning. And unless they're doing it, unless they've got a few failures along the way, they're not going to learn as quick either. But you don't learn anything by not making any decisions either, do you? You don't learn no. anything. Nobody learns to drive by sitting in the passenger seat, do they? So no. same principle, really. Yeah, it's, you know, the... I've put people in positions before they've been ready and sort of kicked them in deep end and said, go have a swim. Mm. Let's see if you can swim. Um, Because sometimes there's not always a a fixed career path or a fixed way of doing something. And I think for, for me, it's looking at different people's strengths and attributes. And, you know, we, you've got to pick your times right. Mm. And it, but even for me, there's been, there's, you know, there's been a lot of failures along the way where I look back and I think, yeah, too soon, or why did he do that? Mm. Or, you know, that there were too much in trends of how things were happening or people were forming, performing that it should have been picked up and gone, stop it, stop it, change it, tweak it, whatever it might be. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Well, that, that, I mean, that's interesting. What was the time scale on your getting back up and running then to well, A, some kind of level of production and then B, back to, you know, a better version than you were before. Then what was the time scales on that then, uh, Ben? Uh, about nine working days to get into a new building. Wow. Um, 14 working days to producing something out of that building. Three months to being back up to 80% capacity. Uh, and for 2018's turnover figures, we were only 0.4 of a percent off 2017's figures. Wow. Okay. I mean, that says it all. It's not just about leadership style, but it is about kind of, you know, team attitude and, and everybody sort of, like you say, stronger together being the, the absolute sort of mantra for the business now, isn't it? Yeah. I think, you know, it, from any business, it's, um, it'd be a reflection of the, the leader or leaders within the business. And if they're not looking to learn, adapt, improve themselves, then you've no right to expect the rest of the team to do that. Mm. I like a conversation we had however many years ago it was. My children would probably say 100 years ago because they, they think everything is, is sort of uh, uh, binary and, and, and pre-internet. We had a conversation a while ago and it was along the lines of, um, 
you you don't answer questions that you know your staff know the answer to, do you? You sort of have that, you know, give me some solutions, give me some options, rather than say, what should I do, boss, and, you, and answering it. That's quite a cultural thing, isn't it? Trying to make them come up with options and solutions rather than just the easy things, just to tell them what to do, isn't it? Yeah, I think it's a massive, massive challenge. Um, you've got to be very aware of it. Um, the easiest thing in the world for me is if I think I, I, I know the answer to sort of go, do that, do that. Um, so the you know the questioning, and sometimes I've just got to slow myself down, and it it's just even if it's just a simple why, to engage my brain, but actually flip it back to the individual to, you know, look at many things. You look at the problems on the periphery, but if you actually boil it down and say what is the core problem, mm. it's about five steps in. Um, so it's you know it, it's quite frustrating for the team mm. because once I've started, they know that I won't sort of stop until they've they've taken that step down and found the core problem. Um, but again, I'm not perfect, so there are times when I reflect at the end of a day and go, I could have just I could have just been a bit more patient there and and listened more than I did speak mm. and just asked the questions and allowed them to get to the it. Everything doesn't have to be in a rush. I'm quite I've probably like a lot of business owners, I'm quite impatient. But you are conscious of it, which helps as well, doesn't it? You are conscious of the fact that, that that's something that's beneficial. You're not just that sort of do this, do that, do the other. You do, you do seem to make the, uh, the, the I say, the conscious effort to, to at least engage them in terms of, you know, what could they bring to the conversation, I guess. Yeah, yeah. 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 So it's got to be, you know, right time and that individual's got to be ready for it because questioning it in the wrong way can destroy them mm. and their confidence. So mm. it's about picking the right times for the right conversations and in and in the right environment as well. I've picked many conversations in the middle of a shop floor that should have been in a, you know in a meeting room in my, in in the office or, or just outside a shop floor. But yeah. so it's it's just having that I suppose self awareness and time to reflect and go. Mm. I could have done that better. It might not be that the individual got it wrong. Mm. You you might have got it wrong from the outset. Okay. Let's flip this on its head in terms of your customers then. You've got a mission statement for the business that states, we forge effective and enduring relationships, becoming part of an overall team and the supply chain. And, and there's a bit more to it than that. But yep. um, So you've also got a set of published values as well. Um, cynically, I just ask the question, are these just marketing props or do they have a genuine impact on your business and your customer relationships? Uh, no, they're not just a marketing prop. I can understand why you'd be sceptical or cynical. I'm asking um, that on behalf of some of the listeners and viewers who may be sceptical and cynical. I'm absolutely not on that basis. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, I'm sceptical at best of times, so right, you've got every right to ask. Um, I think for us, the the sort of mission and, and vision and values, I'm I'm probably a little bit different because some people say if they walk around your factory or, or office or whatever else and the, the guy on the shop floor can't quote all the values. They're not embedded. Mm. I'd sort of disagree for the simple fact that not everybody's really good at exams mm. because they're not good at retaining information. That's a fair point. And I look for actions more than words. So if somebody could reel all our values off, but I watched them and they weren't living them, I'd have a bigger issue than them not knowing the values word for word. Yeah. So if I watch for the actions and I think, yep, they're getting it, we're following that. We're doing this for the customers. We're, we're training that guy. It's all about creating the opportunities. And I think the, the overall 
culture at MPM is is very action orientated. Mm. Um, you know, we had, we had a meeting with a, an external body recently, and they asked basically the SLT what they did, and pretty much none of us quoted a title. Mm. And we all just said it were a different word, but we all just said we get stuff done. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I think you know, innovates one of ours. People think that innovate sending a rocket to the moon. Yeah. It might be a very simple change in a process, but that's innovation. Mm. Not everything's going to be, you know, an implant in in somebody's body or whatever else. And, mm. um, you know, everybody will have the favourites. Our, ours, the innovate team, reliable leaders, quality. I want everybody at NPM to be the best version of themselves. And mm. they're on their they're on their own journey. And it's about picking up on that and when when to push when to pull, mm. when to sit down and have a conversation and, and try and encourage and support people through that. And I think that's that comes back with, I think, where about average length of time that our customer base has been with us throughout the whole of the customer base is upward, eight years and upwards. Mm. The average length of service across the whole business, I think we're at about seven years now. Um, and you know we've got a young team but you don't get that without that being actually something you deliver you don't get that accidentally do you, you get that through deliberate actions and deliberate focus on like you say what the mission the values actually deliver yeah I think if you know if I'm looking at the values one of the sort of I suppose sub values is um, not to accept second best of ourselves or others mm. the first bit's ourselves yeah don't, don't accept second rate and then don't accept it of others, but be patient, not tolerant. Mm. Be patient and try and see what they're doing, how you could help them and so on and so forth. And okay. and one of the, the other key ones is treat people how they would like to be treated. You know, there's there's a golden rule. Um, and, you know, the, don't get me wrong, this is simply, this were a coaching programme, but the platinum rule. So golden rule, treat people how you'd like to be treated. Mm. Not everybody wants to be treated like me. <laughs> That's a fair point. It's, it's how they want to be treated. Yeah, yeah. So if I like a, a coffee, white one, sugar, mm. if I'm making a coffee for somebody else and it's how I like to be treated, mm. I'd make them a coffee, white one, sugar. <laughs> but they, they don't drink that. They want a peppermint tea. Yeah. <laughs> so the whole the whole thing of, you know, again, that, that conversation, I can have a very informal conversation on middle of the shop floor with somebody and they'll pick up key bits and run off and learn. Mm there'll be somebody else and it's like wrong place, wrong time. Mm. They'll want to sit down in the office and go through it. And they want to reflect methodical. on what they're learning. They want to think about it. They want to de-risk it and all yep. that kind of thing. Okay. Yeah. Um, you're obviously active in the business community. You're involved in various programs. You've, you know, the, the 10,000 small businesses alumni for Goldman Sachs. I know you're the chair of Composite UK. So you, you get it out and about from within NPM. So um, are there any sort of leadership styles that you still see that surprise you in 2019? Uh, yeah, there's a lot. Um, there's, I suppose from taking over NPM, there were a lot of businesses that we went into and it was quite aspirational. You know, ooh, look at that, that's shiny. <laughs> um, and I'm quite proud of what we do at NPM. I know that we will be quite individual, but I, I still see a lot of businesses where, and it, there's nothing, everybody will run the business in their own way. Mm. And I think that's one of the other things as well where, Maybe five years ago, I'd be a bit like, well, yeah, let's be a me too business. Let's be like them because yeah. they look really good. Mm. Um, 
on the surface. Yeah, but one of one of our values is leaders. Well, what do I need to be like them for if we're going to be at, at the forefront? Mm. I still don't get the hierarchy side. Um, and when we, after the fire and we'd relocated, we'd got a brand new car park being built. One of our, in fact, I told him we were lucky that I didn't, my chimp didn't start dancing and get angry because production leader said, you're not going to do all stupid, like put them bloody number plates up high and where it says director or managing director. So you've all got your places. And I, I was sort of, Johnny, you know me better than that. Um, but even just simple stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think, especially in, in manufacturing, the perception of what can be happening. You know, I've seen another business where, you know, they were pretty busy. They were a growing business. Mm-hmm. And, and the MD got the guys on the shop floor to valet his car once a week. And I'm, wow. that's just not me. It's wow. like, let's take it round corner and take it to car wash. Hang on, was that in 2018, 2019? 2016, probably when I saw right. that. Let's hope he's not getting his team to valet his car every week still in 2019. There must be so many examples of why that's not right on, yeah on every it, level. You know, it's just that perception of them and us yeah yeah there's, there's some very simple things that get right up people's noses mm. and it might be a lack of understanding or educating us to you know you, you work in sales yourself if mm. you're in manufacturing or you're in operations sales have got an easy life haven't they because oh. they don't do all I'll, I'll be honest with you even if I'm a sales professional. I work with sales professionals extensively. And I always say to them, you know, they are in the privileged role of, you know, it's it's the, probably the most flexible role in the business, isn't it? Yep. You know, they're out and about. They can make some calls. They can manage the time quite easily. They don't, yes, they've got pressures. They've got KPIs. They've got performance issues. But in manufacturing, they've got all sorts of issues that are fixed, aren't they? And yep. those, those are fixed around the process of getting a product from, like you say, design through to, 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 through to delivery and, you know, salespeople don't have to often deal with logistics, which are always a nightmare, and all the things that go with that. So, yeah, um, I would say that, that the bit you said earlier about salespeople are a little bit sort of precious about, well, if we didn't, if it wasn't for us, you wouldn't know anything. I do like the response from the manufacturing side saying, well, if we didn't make anything, you got nothing to sell. So uh, so you're all in it together, aren't you? Yeah, that's, I mean, I know it's it's sort of simplifying things, but it's just simple stuff on a, on a shop floor. You know, if you're in manufacturing, everything's about lean and 5S and so on and so forth. Mm. And it's like, well, go look at your sales director's car. Mm. Is that 5S? Is it clean? Is it how you'd want to represent the company? Yeah. If it didn't, make him clean it. Yeah. And if you, you know, if you're on a shop floor, if you, if you get your day completed, you might go see production leader or whatever and say, is it, is it all right if I get off early? Mm. Nine times out of 10, you'll go, well, we could make another one of them. Or we could do that. Or we could do that. Or yeah. can you give can you give other lads on production team and because they're running slightly behind. So mm. there's, there's very little time free. And I think the old, the old phrase of, you know, a good, a good manager can sit with his feet up because it means he's got everything organized. Mm. I completely disagree with that because if, if our production leader were done, I'd say, what's next thing you're improving. Yeah. So go find that or sit down and work out your plan and so on and so it's it's very it doesn't stop does it no it's quite old-fashioned to think that when a sales guy's done a sales call in the morning he's got a new order that he just goes home plays golf yeah but we both know that because of that flexibility some will some won't yeah i guess that's the case i think that's less and less than it used to be but yeah. uh certainly you know there there is that sort of uh, um, challenge between the cultures of the two sides i guess um 
couple of quick questions to finish with in terms of uh, the biggest lesson you've learned about yourself over the years in your role as MD. Then what would you say the the, the light bulbs have been for Ben? Um, probably 2009 that I thought I were a lot better than I was. Um, <laughs> so I realised then I had a lot of work to do. I think the, the self-awareness side and actually working on learning again. Mm. I'd, I'd done the, I suppose in that sense, I'd done the old-fashioned thing of born, childhood, school, exams, leave, go to work, pass your driving test. Stop learning. Stop learning, get married, stop some more learning and, and sort of go through that. And the the I suppose the inspiration from the coaches that I've had the privilege to work with and the, the Goldman Sachs programme and everything else was sparking that learning side and mm. you know it's very rare I'd, i'm not a reader you know i'd read to age 34 i've probably read four full books what you need to do ben you need to listen to podcasts they're, yeah, the, yeah. they're the future they're the future, they're the they? future yeah. Ben. yeah unless it's me don't listen to that <laughs> um so i think the the whole self-awareness side and you know i do various careers panels now going into schools mm. and they'll the lot, one of the questions is generally what's the best project that you've worked on and I always say me mm. because it, it's it's where you can earn the most bang for your buck yeah if, if you're if you're not keeping your learning up you'll stagnate you might get bored so on and so forth I think it's the the number one thing is 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 you and as, as a leader within the business everybody's going to look to you and it's it can be quite minor things sometimes on perception and mm. so on and so forth. You know, it's it's dead easy to build other nose on them. And that is irrespective of job title. You're a leader because you're a leader, and it's not because you're the managing director and the job title dictates that. You're a leader because of the the the, the dynamics you bring to the, the to the role, aren't you? Really? Yeah, my guys keep me quite humble. Yeah. Good. Okay. Well, they do because the you know the, I've met them the, the, as a team. They are you know they've got very high standards of themselves, and I guess they hold you to the high standards as well, don't they? Most of the time. Most of the time. Okay. <laughs> so, final question for you: If you could, you've had a lot of coaching, a lot of mentoring, a lot of support in you in your career, as you've mentioned, which has, has had a really big impact yep. um, at different stages. So, if you were going to uh, advise, mentor, or coach a new or developing leader, so what would be the best or most practical advice you could do and offer them to create the right culture for what they're trying to achieve? Um. As we, it just goes back to it starts with you and there's there's many times I see people sort of they're going off and doing something else or sweeping the neighbour's doorstep mm. but their own doorstep's filthy and it, it, it still it still starts with you and what, what you can impact and those the, the environment and the people around you you've it, it's what, di- what difference do you want to make it mm. doesn't matter whether it's whether it's a smile whether it's you know, a particular task or the way you go about something. It's it's about every interaction you can have an impact on on something or somebody's life. And I think the main thing is working on yourself and wanting to make a difference. But be happy doing that. Mm. I'm I'm not another MD. I'm I'm me, and yeah. I wouldn't expect another MD to be me. Mm. If you know, if if somebody's got quite a structured hierarchy, if that's working for them, great. You know, I do think that the the world is changing. Mm. I think we need to be doing more in creating different opportunities for people. I think even coming from education, I think it's brilliant that we've got 
some really high tech engineering and some of the you know the service sector stuff and all the marketing that you need for manufacturing and so on and so forth but if we get rid of manufacturing or too much of the the stuff where people like working with ease mm. and where you can some people need an entry level job yeah because they didn't like school so if they don't like school and they don't come out with the grades what they're going to do? Yeah, what they're going to do, mm. and and that area of society can only get worse if we're not supporting it. Because if there's no jobs there, mm. what are they going to do? So creating those opportunities and giving people a chance. You know, I've I've heard some horror stories for, um, you know what what certain individuals have been called by other bosses in in businesses. Mm. Um, I won't repeat it in podcast, but I was horrified. You know, and it, they just need a chance. You don't know their background story. You don't know their upbringing. You don't know the support network out of work. You mm. know, when, when people come to NPM, we can influence for 40 hours a week or a bit more. Mm. But when people go home, you've no idea what they face when they walk through the door. You've no, you've no idea what, where their journey's been and, mm. and, and how they've got to where they are. So, you know, 10 years ago, I'd have been like, I couldn't care less. Mm. Do that. Let's get on with that. And, and you're either performing or you're not. And if you're not, you're not here type thing. Yeah. yeah. Um, okay. So I know it frustrates a lot of people. I'll be quite patient. Um, mm. But I quoted it the other way because I don't, don't mistake kindness for weakness. Mm. But I tend to have, I tend to work on the empathetic side of, well, what is going on else in, in somebody else's life. There's, there's sometimes you can't drag a horse to water and when you do, you can't get them to drink. Mm. But, I, you know, I sort of won't give up just because there's a few that, that drop by the wayside. Okay. Because I think you can make a bigger difference. Okay. Ben, that's been absolutely fantastic. Inspirational for our viewers and listeners, hopefully. Just a, an insight into your leadership, impact, culture, all those things. In, in as I said at the start, uh, you know, what could be considered a fairly traditional a business and a business model so it's been an absolute pleasure having you as my guest um i'll see you at the composite uk awards dinner at the end of the month yep. which i'm looking forward to uh, to being part of and uh, thanks for being my guest thanks for having me nick cheers